Do 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 Kate Mary. You binge watch your average Netflix show and you just want to talk to someone about it. We need to talk to someone about Louis. We need to talk to someone about Louis. Kate, would you like to get an ice cream? I would love to get an ice cream, Mary. Um, given lockdown uh, has sort of come coming to an end in Melbourne um, and the warmer weather's approaching, uh, yeah, there's no better time to be an ice cream lover in in there our beautiful city, I think. Nothing so. holding us back. Ice cream and donuts. Um, hopefully by the time this airs in a week, we'll still be donuts, which is now the Victorian vernacular for no more cases of COVID. Um, yeah, good. for international people, we've had a couple of days where there's been no new cases recorded at all, despite I think what upwards of 12,000, 15,000 tests being conducted. So um, yeah, we're calling them donut days. And every time one is announced, it seems like the nation or the state at least is going out and um, buying all sorts of donuts. There's been shortages of donuts in Victoria. So 2020, just when you thought it couldn't get weirder, uh, here we are with, you know, runs on yeah, donuts. So Speaking in donuts, it makes perfect sense <laughs> at this stage of the game. I feel like, you know, most people would be able to relate to dessert um, you know, getting them through the day at this point though. So I'm feeling ice cream and I'm feeling Bandit as well with his um his problems. Oh, go on, give us a double chocolate and a cup extra large. Hooray! I've got a problem. This episode, Kate, uh, very much riffs on the idea of what's fair and what's not fair, but mm. I think the scene is kind of set in that very first opening moment where Bandit and Stripe are both sitting there looking like a day out with the kids is the least fair thing that has ever happened to them. Are you feeling that vibe? I think we've all been feeling that vibe for a very long time. Well, that's commonly called bad luck. No, no, that's not fair. It's pretty fair. I love that our friend Bluey Locations um, instantly, instantly was saying, this is the Queensland Museum Museum. and with the family of blue whales that are hanging in the background of the window to the gift shop. And yeah, did you know they were there? No, well, I've never been to the Queensland Museum. You may have, but yeah, oh, well, I no, I haven't either. But yeah, I feel like if I knew giant whales were just randomly hanging out of the sky somewhere, I would have been a bit more all about it, but I'd never even heard of them. It's very Fantasia 2000 meets Mitchell Toys, <laughs> um, Midnight City. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very impressed. I have only just watched Fantasia 2000 because you so strongly recommended it, Kate. And, yeah, that was my first thought. I feel like there's very strong Fantasia in general vibes through this whole episode, Mary, and it's not just the whales. There's um, later when the girls are doing their elaborate, let's call it the ice cream dance. Bigger, no oh, that much. Oh, oh, oh. Kids, what are you doing? Sort of swirling <laughs> around each of other. The ice cream flowers, even. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's based on a beautiful piece of music by um, Peter Tchaikovsky, uh, used in the Nutcracker Suite, which we've already seen a little bit of that used in Bluey and Veranda Santa. 
And, um, yeah, the girls just do this amazing sort of swirling dance through the icons of South Bank. And yeah, it, it is true Fantasia vibes. Um, old school Fantasia though, not the 2000. Um, I think they did sort of a fantastical sort of sequence, um, showing some of these flowers drifting towards each other and then spiraling up and becoming like almost like little dancings with their pedals yeah, and their tutus swirling. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right, very sort of swirling and waltzing, which is what we see Bluey and Bingo doing as well. So, yeah, I, I agree. There's um more than a tip of the hat to Disney in this one, I reckon. Mm, so the new owners are making their mark. <laughs> But, you know, in the best possible way, yeah, I think it was a beautiful nod to some of the Disney heritage rather than a, you know, overt one. Ooh, dinosaur. Its mouth opens in chat. Ah! (laughs) Um, But getting back to the gift shop, Mary, and it's such a innocuous exchange, but there's something very significant that happens in this gift store, which... um, it took me about the third watching before I picked it up, and that is Bingo picks up the book, which I believe is the same one that we see in Sleepy Time with the planets um, that she then hatches out of. So nice little nod. Um, I reckon you might be right, yeah. Mm. Um, do you think that the day she found the book and then they went back and got it, or do you think that's just the kid thing that they if they've already got something, they want to stockpile as many as they can. <laughs> yeah, it's like I've already got this one at home, but this isn't my copy, it's someone else's. So it is inevitably fascinating to me. Uh, I don't know, but I like either theory. I think either theory works. Queensland Museum looks pretty um, amazing though, Mary. Uh, it's got something called Spark Lab where you can go in and do all these cool sciencey things with kids. They've got uh, at the moment a, a thing about celebrating the legalisation of same-sex marriage. It's an exhibit called I Do and it's all people's Ooh. wedding stories, which sounds delightful. Um, but their Instagram perplexed me because they've got like um, pictures of creepy dolls. <laughs> Ooh, like, okay. And they actually say that they're creepy dolls. They're like, here's our creepy dolls. I'm like, oh, what? That's a strong sell. I, uh, would, I wouldn't use that no, as my draw you. card. <laughs> you know, like use Bluey. Anyway, just an interesting side note. When we are able to cross the border again, I think we should put this on our list because it is very conveniently located to Brisbane's South Bank area where the majority, I guess, of the action takes place. Yeah, and even though we don't get to see a lot of the museum, I feel like anyone watching this episode who wasn't an experienced Brisbane visitor would be pretty sold on South Bank after this because it is just looking stunning apart from a bit of a uh, bit of an ice cream mess debacle. <laughs> Am I the only one that was thinking sticky concrete, like watching that ice cream just drip everywhere, like literally everywhere that the girls were walking? (laughs) I feel like it's probably not the worst thing that's happened to the concrete in that part of the world. (laughs) And we do see a lot of bin chickens as well in this episode. Uh, So perhaps they are the kind of the cleanup squad for (laughs) all this ice cream and they're straight onto it. Oh, God. 
anyway, the girls are walking. Um, the next thing we see is them going down South Bank, uh, and there is an ice cream vendor, and this ice cream vendor is voiced by a very uh, well-known and loved Australian ABC newsreader, Lee Sales. Ice cream! Hi, kids. Now, Lee, for any of our international listeners, is an absolute dynamo. She's known for her hard-hitting political interviews on a program called 7.30. We're talking prime ministers regularly appearing on her show. She did an amazing um, interview recently with um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders from the US. It was something else. Um, But, yeah, she is a take-no-prisoners kind of interviewer. And she also has a podcast which helped inspire us with ours um, called Chat 10 Looks 3. So shout out to our Chat 10 um, friends. Um, but, yeah, how exciting oh, to hear so cool. Lee's voice as ice cream vendor dog. Like, yeah, I'm <laughs> sad she didn't get is, a proper name. Lee is a mum as well, which um, makes, I guess, being bluey connected all the more exciting. She put up a very cute video of when the episode premiered and uh, the commentary from her kids was uh, – <laughs> I can't ex- remember the exact word, but something along the lines of, oh, you know, it's, you sound authentic or you almost sound normal. Like, <laughs> it's, it's almost believable, mum. Like, which, yeah, if you're ever sort of getting too big ahead, it's always good to know that your kids are there to just shoot that straight down for you. Thanks, yep. kids. Six dollars, please. Thank you. <laughs> and one of many uh, guest appearances Coming up this season, we're finally sort of hearing a bit about who's um, going to be guesting on future episodes in this drop, um, which we'll get to in coming episodes, I guess, Kate. But mm. uh, but yeah, a big one confirmed was Rob Irwin, baby crocodile hunter, or not oh. such a baby anymore, I suppose. So um, well, like Bindi's having a baby, so they can't be that baby. Yeah, they, they must like, be quite grown up, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, he, I think he plays a young dog called Alfie in an episode that seems to be based at Kmart um, or the Blueyverse equivalent. So that's definitely an exciting one to look out for. I can already tell whatever they call it in Bluey will be its new name for me. I mean, uh, <laughs> Hammer yeah. Barn style. Hammer Barn style replacing Bunnings. Yeah, if it's saying it in Bluey, I'm, I'm down. Getting back to the plot, Kate, we Mm. see the girls ask for ice cream, which is obviously the standard child response every time you go past any sort of ice cream vendor in the wild. Yeah. And um, Bandit has pretty much the standard response for a dad as well, or for him at least. Keep walking. But Stripe doesn't seem to be across the standard response. (laughs) Muffin's not getting an ice cream. I got an ice cream. Thanks, mate. Muffin is the Veruca Salt of the bingo, of the Bluey and Bingo <laughs> family, isn't she? Like she's, I kind of love her um, for that though, because she owns it. Um, Mare, where is Socks though? This is what I don't understand. Have we gone back in time a little bit, perhaps? Because we haven't seen much of her yet. Well, if we are still in kind of the the present time, shall we say? Like we haven't, you know, skipped ahead from the four-year-old Bingo and six-year-old Bluey that we know and love. 
Socks is still one. And I would say kind of a day out with the dads, you know, the dads look exhausted. So you can't even imagine how a one-year-old would cope with that. I'm not surprised she's not there. But it has been a question on the socials because there have been quite a few episodes with Muffin this drop and no sign of socks yet. Mm, and not even like a car seat in the car. We did see inside Uncle Stripe's car in um, library. And, um, yeah, it only seemed like there was one car seat. So do 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 Oh, no. What's happened to socks? I mean, Rusty was demoted from cousin to friend. So I think we've gone too far mm. with socks, though. So, yeah. Well, I, I, I'm invested, I'm even more um, invested in socks emotionally now. But um, the best commentary I've seen on this is, was socks all along just the pet puppy, not the little sister? <laughs> and perhaps she just travelled in the boot. Like that could be a thing. Um, don't think that's the case. But look, until we get further evidence, I guess we can't rule it out. <laughs> Look, kids, Muffin gets an ice cream because she got a dinosaur stuck on her head. Of all the excuses to get an ice cream, Mary, how do you feel about Muffin gets an ice cream because she got a dinosaur stuck on her head? Ah, uh, well, as Muffin correctly points out, it was a... It was a Velociraptor. Oh, no fair! If you're going to be saying Velociraptor that adorably, perhaps... You deserve all the ice cream you get, to be honest. <laughs> Never put me in charge of ice cream distribution, I think, is the moral of the story there. Yeah, I can't deal with please faces. Um, we've been really into the paddle pops in our house, uh, chocolate paddle pop you can't go past. And I liked that Muffin was eating a rainbow ice cream because, Mary, I recently discovered that rainbow ice creams have a flavour that I actually enjoy, which is caramel. Yeah, I always thought that rainbow ice cream would be, I don't know, like a weird blend of different. I thought maybe bubble gum or something like that. Yeah, like something disgusting. Satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, imagine my um, surprise when the the four-year-old asks for um, a paddle pop that's rainbow and I'm thinking, oh, God, that's disgusting. And, yeah, halfway through when I inevitably have to save him from a droopy drip, uh, it's caramel flavour. <laughs> that is a very noble on your It has part. changed good my work life knowing this. <laughs> fray there. Um, well, that is a good discovery. I was feeling muffin when she was asked to share, though, and just that glare in her eyes because... Yeah, I get quite possessive with my food and, um, yeah, it was it was never going to happen. Can I have a lickless muffin? <laughs> um, you say you related to that growl, Kate. Um, I must admit, after this episode, I've been hearing Bon say not fair and no fair a lot more than he previously did. Mm. But on the flip side, uh, in a similar situation before he watched this episode, I reckon I would have just got the growl from him. So I don't know <laughs> if this is an improvement. <laughs> um, look, both are relatable. I think everyone, you know, every kid goes through their not fair stage and we see a lot of versions of what's fair and what isn't fair Mm. in the back and forth in this episode which I really like um 
bandits take once the ice cream melts that actually that's about as fair as it gets. I think I'm going to be using that line uh, (laughs) in overdrive. (laughs) Yep. It's a good one, isn't it? And even like it's fairly fair, like that sort of gives that level of ambiguity I quite like. It's interesting that Bond's picked up on this one, Mary, because Will is all about, um, oh, mummy, you're such a pickle, like greenie in (laughs) mum's school. And I quite like that, but because um, anything you do, you go, oh, mum, you're such a pickle. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, I, I can take that better than um, not fair. But, uh, yeah, how are you coping with that? That's quite harsh really, isn't it? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like my response is usually to go, well, if it's not fair, then you're not getting ice cream. <laughs> just, like, just double down. If, <laughs> oh, wow. if you want to see not fair, I'll show you not fair, which uh, possibly. <laughs> Isn't the correct response? I might need to find some parenting books on this. But, yeah, responding with a threat, um, veiled or not, <laughs> seems to be working so far. <laughs> it sounds fairly fair to me. Everyone happy? Yeah. It's always nice, Dad. Yeah, it's chocolate. So the girls sit down with their ice cream and Dad has made the last-minute decision to get an extra-large double-scoop chocolate. And the girls... Now, this is the bit that I found particularly triggering, Mary, and I think, you know, for for me it sparks whole conversations about fairness as a child. Um, But the can I have a lick of yours and then the extreme lengths the girls are going to to ensure that the other one is only taking a fair-sized lick. Now, you grew up in a very large family. Uh, My husband is also one of four. He had some ideas about what they used to do to keep things fair, but I'm really keen to hear from you. What sort of tricks did your parents use when deciding what was fair? Oh, gosh. I I can categorically say I don't remember any times where one child pushed the tongue of the other child back in because the lick was <laughs> going to be too big. Um, but, yeah, I can definitely, like, picture Tim Tams being cut in half for, you know, even distribution and um, <laughs> things were measured against each other. I remember, mm. like, eating fish and chips. It was always, like, a great point of debate who was going to get the longest chip and there was lots of lining them up to make sure everyone got like a long chip in their (laughs) uh, distribution. Wow, so (laughs) you had to have at least six long ones, Yeah, Yeah. Seven, (laughs) seven long ones, gosh. Yeah, so it definitely made it challenging and I think, you know, pretty quickly parents work out I don't want to be the adjudicator of this. And I think Bandit's approach from the start is, yes, he's rolling his eyes and it's a bit here we go, but he's prepared to let the girls work it out. And, Mm. you know, no parent uh, adjudication here is going to make it any fairer, let's be honest. (laughs) Bingo, can I have a lick of your mango? Here we go. Okay, but only if I can have a lick of yours. Sure. So Tim uh, grew up in a household where poorer chooses last. So whoever was divvying up the portion had to choose last. so smart. So smart, right? Like you said, they basically had spirit levels out for like the cups of cordial and things like that to make sure that they were perfectly uh, in line with everyone else's. But then like in that situation, would you want to be the one who's pouring 
So you can make sure it's completely just or would you want to be not poorer so if it wasn't even, you'd get more chance of getting first dibs? Well, yeah. I think it depends on the on the. <laughs> I think that's a real like you know personality breakdown. Like this could be a very standardized test for where you fit <laughs> in that kind of you know quadrant scale. Um, yeah, well, but yeah. What would you do? Oh, I feel I like think, you'd be the poorer. Kate. I think I'd be a poorer. Like even now at parties, I, I still gravitate <laughs> towards cutting up the cake at you know other people's birthday parties and things. So um, yeah, I, I think I'd be the poorer. Would think, you pour or would you uh, select? As a kid, I probably I probably would have wanted to be the selector because I didn't have faith in everyone else's pouring ability. <laughs> um, yeah, hopefully I've matured somewhat, but like. This is this is the real kind of crux of this episode, isn't it? Like the wisdom of Solomon kind of issue of <laughs> how do you make things fair and in the, you know, need for everything to be fair, what's going to get lost? And, yeah, in this episode we know exactly what's going to get lost. Oh, why not? Because it's not my fault they melted. You took too long to eat them. So we get. I was trying to think how you could do like a poorer chooses last scenario with this, Mary, and I think what they would have had to do is get two little cup scoop things and like Mm. like one of them scoops out two portions and they line it up that way. (laughs) That would be much more Um, than a lick though. But um, The the vision that came into my head as you started describing it, Kate, is – Die Hard 2 where they're in the fountain <laughs> and they have to like get the right amount of water in the oh bottle God. to diffuse the bomb. Um, which That is not where like, I saw this conversation going, but I'm so <laughs> glad that it is there. I'm, like now that it's there, I'm amazed Ludo didn't go there. We know they love their <laughs> film references or perhaps yeah. it's there and we just haven't noticed. I don't know. <laughs> there is a lot going on. There is a lot going on. There's a lot of like little cameos as well. So um, someone on uh, one of the groups were in the Bluey fan club um, on Facebook was saying that there's cameos from one of the storyboard artists and one of the other animators, I think one of the background designers perhaps in um, the episode, Uh just as the girls are losing their ice cream, they're the two sort of cute little pups to the side of the screen. Yeah, on them. both in glasses. And, yeah. Um, one is drinking bubble tea and um, I'm not 100 I think it's Nick and Jazz um, who are those two characters and hi to them if they're listening. Um, both very cute. Um, I watched this episode with Age, my husband, he's like, Oh, look, there's even Asian tourists on South Bank, which um, I know uh, those two both um, both are very much into their anime and manga. So I think maybe Age was picking up on something that is there uh, in the character design. But but it's also very true that, yeah, it's, it's kind of the destination for international tourists, that South Bank Boulevard. So... It it's, is it's a tourist hotspot. I mean, the, uh, diverse communities along there. I've been to South Bank a couple of times, and it's sort of the one part of Brisbane our families just gravitated to because it's so awesome. There's 
um, you know, markets, there's buskers. I love the um, the archway that's covered in flowers. I think they really captured that just beautifully oh, with this animation. Like this episode is as glorious as that. Um, I think it's called The Arbor Has Ever Looked and mm. it, the flowers that are growing on it are um, my favourite named flower actually because they're Bogenvillea. Bogenvillea. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not felt like uh, bogan, uh, which for our international listeners is kind of Australia's version of a redneck. But, um, or a chav, I guess, if you're yeah, more yeah. European-based. Yeah. Um, but they do grow all over Queensland, and I think that is nature making some kind of commentary there. So, um, yeah, lovely to see them in full <laughs> flower. <laughs> But yeah, then we do see a buffer. Sorry, I just need to appreciate that for a second. Uh, it's dead with love. I'm the biggest bogan of them all, and um, that's why I fitted in so well when I did live in Queensland. Um, but yeah, in this episode as well, we see a busker, uh, like you mentioned, Kate. It, he looks like kind of a levitating monk. But he's painted all gold, so he's one of those sort of street performers that does the full kind of paint job to look like a statue. And then, um, yeah, which is a real commitment. Golden Boy Australia is his um, handle on Instagram. And when uh, Ludo hosted a bit of a launch party um, at their headquarters in Brisbane for this latest round of episodes, they invited him along as well. Oh, that's so lovely. Good to see that uh, Ludo busker relations are, um, are blossoming from perhaps last season where there was a um, the pipe thong buster, busker who had his nose a bit out of joint that he might have been depicted without his permission. So um, nice to see um, buskers getting a look in. And I love that it's also uh, Winton and his dad who are taking in the buskers in the scene we see as well. Yeah, and we also see um, Jack as well, our new little Jack Russell friend who um, was playing Army with Rusty from Season 2 Part 1. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he walks past with his mum and sister. So, um, Ah, yeah, some nice little... um, Easter eggs hidden uh, there for the the Bluey faithful who uh, watched this episode probably way too many uh-huh. times for recent well, adults. Speaking of watching this episode very faithfully, um, I actually sat down and was like, right, I am going to spot a long dog in this episode. I know it must be there. Oh, yeah. And um, Age decided to get in on the action and was like, yes, I can do this. I will see it before you. And before we'd even started, I said, I bet it'll be in that first scene in the gift shop, probably hidden with other Mm. toys. And we watched the whole thing twice before realising that, yes, it is in that scene. Um, I won't say where so everyone gets a chance to look, but it's very well hidden in that scene. And it's not in with all the geckos that all look kind of like long dogs. So happy hunting. (laughs) Okay. I'm just waiting on our good friend Long Dog Spotting to tell us where they all are. <laughs> well, he is back with a vengeance. He's already spotted a lot from this season, um, including a very hard-to-get one in movie. Um, hmm. So if you're not following him on Insta, uh, go check it out and, yeah, get get some good hints. Well, you get a valuable life lesson. Where else does this episode go for you, Mary? Um, how did that resonate, that, that moment where Blue was saying... I just want an ice 
cream. Ah, uh, yeah. Look, I'd take ice creams over life lessons any day. Um, and yet, yeah, I don't know if I'm if I'm just a quitter, but it does seem that any time you kind of get that perfect moment to lay a life lesson on your child is the moment they're least receptive to hearing it. <laughs> um, how do you go with that? Yeah, not well, not well at all. Um, and then even when, like, I have the moment and I just feel in my heart, I'm like, this is an important moment where I get to share something about, you know, life with my child. I mean, yeah, my words just fail me. I think the other day Will said something like, what's death? And I was like, I've got nothing for you. Like, (laughs) I know. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I gave him kind of a weird sort of half Catholic answer. And then I was sort of thinking, oh God, I should have explained it like this. I should have. What I really need Uh, is like a list of all the moments that are coming up in like the next two weeks. And then I can prepare for them because I'm much better with like a script (laughs) or something. And perhaps we just need to revert to territory we know. Perhaps your line should have been, Will, do you know that sometime when you're eating an ice cream, it falls on the ground and you don't get to eat it? (laughs) And you're just like, What? (laughs) What is death? And my ice cream's destroyed. (laughs) Keep doubling down. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I feel like we've we've doubled up on our life lessons here today. Um, Yeah, and I thought the resolution was quite nice as well with Bandit sort of saying that here's my ice cream and you girls can share it. But, uh, yeah, also I'd be annoyed that I had to give up my chocolate ice cream. Is that wrong? I think it was smart that they wrote into the plot that he wasn't sure he wanted it at the start. Like, obviously he wanted it, but he he was trying to, you know, keep in shape. Um, perhaps that was kind of his moral that the universe was taking away what he probably shouldn't have bought in the first place, um, <laughs> which is not to say uh, every parent owes their child, like, their ice cream if um, if they lose their own through their own fault. Test. Um, but, well, I don't know. Is there a parent out there who just say too bad and keep eating ice cream in front of them? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe the life lesson is to make sure you finish your ice cream before your kids have a chance to ruin theirs. All right. I tell you what, you kids can have mine. Really? Yeah, go on. Yeah. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) One fun fact, I guess, at the end is that I was watching a conversation on our um, other friend Bluey Locations um, Instagram feed. He's fabulous. He's been going uh, at a rocket pace to try and match up scenes within Bluey with different places around Brisbane. Um, But he was saying that that bench scene where Bandit's hugging the girls and you sort of get this expanse of Brisbane in front of them, they have been a little bit, shall we say, creative with the placement of some icons to sort of squeeze it into the shot and make it look a bit um, nicer. So, and Costa did confirm that uh, Costa's one of the lead animators. So, um, yeah, so uh, it's Brisbane, but not quite as we know it. (laughs) Um, Probably a bit similar to the view um, from the Healer House. It's all just a 
bit it's a bit too good to be true so yeah good to know that 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 continues from south bank as well but you know even if it's not quite right i still want a day out on south bank yeah wouldn't it be lovely? and i would be getting the ice cream at this point i reckon oh, double chocolate in a cup sounds perfect to me <laughs> I feel like we've covered music a bit just talking about the crossover with Fantasia because that's mm. definitely where I get um, all my touch points for this music, Kate. But what about you? Is there, is there more to Tchaikovsky than Waltzing Flowers? Uh, well, I guess he's a bit of an interesting character of the Romantic era. So Romantic era came after the classical era and it was all about telling the story through music that really spoke to people. Um, the Nutcracker uh, ballet, which this was composed specifically for, wasn't really successful, um, but the music made it a success. And apparently now I think it's something like 40% of all ballet revenue around the world is made from performances of the Nutcracker, which is just what? a fun fact. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, all their um, – performances through the year of all the obscure ballets and stuff is sort of yeah they really? rip all the money through everyone the- is across what happens by now right like yeah <laughs> no perhaps you can see it over and over again but um impressive yeah it is isn't it i was quite surprised but no uh wikipedia assures me that it's true so it must be true <laughs> um yeah and uh tchaikovsky started his career as a civil servant because there were just no opportunities for musical careers in Russia. And that's partly um, why his sound is has been so widely embraced by Western um, cultures, I suppose, because uh, when he did enter the St. Petersburg Conservatory, um, the only teaching style that they he was receiving was um, from Western uh, classical teachers. It was quite late oh. um, as well when he sort of started doing that. And he was able to really marry those Russian folk sort of tunes that he'd heard throughout his life with this new way of Western music style. And that's what gave him that incredible cut through I guess um right around the world so um Tchaikovsky is responsible for things like um Peter and the Wolf which lots of people would know the score um the Nutcracker uh, um, right. and he was also responsible for composing Swan Lake which again initial failure now one of the most popular ballets of all time um, people just hated ballet at the time right? <laughs> <laughs> it's had a comeback Who was your most valuable player for this episode, Mary? Oh, gosh. I Like the girls did not cover themselves in glory, but no. gosh, the, the howls and the whimpers and the trembling lips, it was a very emotive performance from both of them. Um, and they had a lot to compete with after Muffin's uh, Velociraptor pronunciation. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think it's Bandit. He plays it beautifully. What about you? Oh, I think Muffin for me. I mean, <laughs> part of me is kind of annoyed at her um, just because she's such a precocious Rizzler. little three-year-old. <laughs> yeah, but 
she's also showing some amazing leadership potential, amazing negotiation skills, and I'm just really in awe of how she protects her treats. So, yeah, I think she's my MVP. That's fair. Um, Kate, you are my MVP of this uh, recap. Thank you so much. Oh, Mary, you are always uh, my MVP. We can go get ice cream together now. Oh, thank God. It's soon. Well, I don't know if it's soon. One day we'll be able to go do it on South Bank. Um, Shout out to all of our international friends who are not looking so sunny uh, as Melbourne is right now. We are thinking of you. It's bloody hard. Hope you are Mm. hanging in there okay. I hope at the very least um, you will get new Bluey episodes soon. And that might be what made the difference for us, actually. Perhaps everyone just stayed home a bit more after new Bluey dropped and that got us to our donuts. So too good. Um, You can uh, let us know what you think of that excellent plan on our socials. It's at BlueyPod on Insta, at BlueyPodcast on Twitter. Hit us up on Facebook where got to be done the Bluey podcast or you can email us at blueypod at gmail.com and you really should. And don't forget to rate and review. Uh, until next week, Mary Bolling, it has got to be done. Be done. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Now, you have to finish that before we get on the ferry, Muffy. 